The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Sazza here on a Monday morning here with a overflowing mailbox full of questions that subscribers have asked. I need some help to answer. Welcoming in. Chris Anderson, Chris, eventful weekend in that um baseball team played and the baseball team played. By the way, our preview on the baseball team. Nailed positions. I think we got most of the starters right, except like maybe left side, right side for one. Um, but more importantly, a lot of people who listened and, and gave us feedback on it had the same questions and then were like excitedly checking in, like, hey, did you see who they started at second? Um, that was my pick for third base. And then, oh, look who they put into the, the DH spot. Look who they put into left field. And it occurs to me that, like, we had all this, like, what ifs every year about football and basketball. Um, what portal player is going to go here? How are they going to – what's your starting five, your closing five? And, like, baseball kind of had, like, a similar excitement. Smaller pie, and then obviously slice the pie too. But it's a healthy thing when you can look ahead – to, uh, I don't know, who's starting at third base for your college baseball team in the middle of February. I kind of like that. I think that's healthy. It's your way of saying you want to start with baseball questions from the mailbag? Is that what this Are there is? some? Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I just not quite football season, and it is basketball season, but didn't have a baseball game yesterday. Oh. One-on-one so far, so let's let's figure out what we've learned, I guess. I guess we can. Uh, we will start there because there were again a couple questions, and I think you touched on it last time. But maybe we can give a recap for the people who are asking it again. Because Philip Smith asked, "Can we shame the athletic department into sending radio or TV crew to Western Kentucky for a few weeks?" Uh, that's the upcoming series. And then somebody, uh, WVU fan in Pratt asked, "Why can't we broadcast or stream all baseball games in 2024?" So can you kind of recap for me what you said the other day? Because about Stetson, you know that. The home team's in charge, is that right? Like they're in charge of the broadcast. Yeah, it's all that tier three rights. All the the basketball for men's and football for those who have it. That all goes to your tier three media partners. So that's pretty much belongs to like the media rights partner for your conference. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know Stetson's tier three situation, but either way, like they have the rights to broadcast out there, the home stuff. When you see like contracts between like two big football programs, like a a Big Ten team and a uh, big 12 team but what channels are going to be on well it depends who the home team is um it's just like referees like typically the visiting team gets the referees the home team gets the television um that's just kind of how that stuff goes so for rights like that 
the home team is in, like typically has, I don't know if you call it first refusal or first usage or whatever, but if they're not going to do anything with it and you have the capacity to do it, let someone else, like if, if West Virginia wants to send a student down there from their campus radio station or wants to send, you know, one of their people in their, in their, um, what do they even call that now? IMG college Learfield Mountaineer sports zone thing. They want to send someone down there to do it. That's fine. Like it's a, they, they got a, they had, they have like roadblocks in the way. Don't get me wrong, but I do think there's ways they could have done better. Like there was no live stats that were being publicized for the game. Like you had to really search to find it. There's interest in the team. And even if there's not, there's still a way to do it. And could they do it for Western Kentucky? Same thing. Like Western Kentucky's in Conference USA, correct? Pretty sure that. So again, like, could, is this team going to be an ESPN Plus team that they're playing? That's pretty much what it comes down to here. Do they have ESPN Plus access? So like, if, if Western Kentucky is a a team that has an ESPN Plus capacity, you'll get that. If not, I really wonder if schools will or should. Just kind of take the onus upon themselves. Like, hey, we have a decent team. We have a lot of interest. You guys aren't doing it. Do you mind if we do? Can you give us an equipment truck? Can you give us a seat out in the the, the camera tower in center field or behind home plate? And just figure out how to do it. That's the one thing, Chris. Figure it out. There's a problem. Figure it out. You, How's your play-by-play skills, Mike? You want to go down there and put in a little earpiece and get started? I, I can do it. Give me the seven-second delay button, just in case. But I think uh-huh. I can pull it off, too. But unfortunately, I'm very busy here. So um, we'll have to find yes. someone else. My, or we'll be very busy soon. But we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, one more baseball one from Protown a year. When, when will the NCAA learn that starting baseball season in February is monumentally stupid? Mike, your thoughts on February start time for baseball? Don't like it. Just, But there's also, it's not a, a Northeast sport. It just hasn't been the most power, the consolidation of boats and all that stuff. That just comes from the Southeast and the, the, the West where it's warmer and they can do it. So it, it'll never probably change because that's the way it's been. And like, that's a big thing for college sports. It's like, oh, it's always been this way. Let's do it. But if you're looking for like a pioneer or a blueprint, just Google Randy Mazie's baseball plan. Um, that may not be the letter for letter way to do it. It's a pretty good start. And I'm wondering if it, this has to deal with, I mean, it, I think it's the calendar. You know, like for instance, Little League starts now. I, I, we have our first practice tomorrow, and it's February. It's going to be February 20th. It's going to be 40 degrees. But because of the way the calendar works out and how the Little League works, it's the, they have to finish before the county school system finishes school. This is how that all that works. So I wonder if they have to start. Colleges have to start in February because they need to finish, sort of, in time by what June, you know, May, whenever their school. Um, finishes. I don't know if the NCAA even cares about that because I know obviously the College World Series goes into the summer some, but I'm just wondering if you, you know, baseball can be a long season when you're playing, what do they play, 50 games? Like, that, that takes a while. So you're going to have to start earlier if you're not creeping into essentially next year um, as far as the school calendar goes. Back um, on the, the broadcast thing, I just, I don't understand why they're like ESPN Plus does like in-studio games for basketball. Like, do you have to be there to call the game? Like, could you set up in, the, in like your radio station in Morgantown or in, in the Coliseum even? Like, if you want to be like that, like, okay, let's have a, I'm, I'm just assuming that's the athletic department is headquartered, so Coliseum. And like, just find a room and be like, hey, we have we have a feed here. It's not great to put online. It's somebody's Blackberry, right? But like, I got an idea what's going on. I know who's going to, I'm following the stats so I can give you the pitch count and like what his numbers are during the game and, just weird to me that like you didn't even have a live box score link go out to people. And there was one, 
but you really had to search to find it. Like there, there's just a lot of ways to do that better. And I, I don't, there, I'm sure there's an explanation. I'm not sure it's good enough. I'm just picturing the the Bull Durham scene where they're on the away games and the guy's sitting back at, at his own radio station, getting the stats and the plays written onto a notepad. And then he's talking them out and smacking yeah. two sticks together to act like it was a hit. That's yeah. let's do it. I mean, they did it. They did it then we can do it now. Ingenuity. Um, yep. All right, moving on to kind of football-ish. Uh, this one's a little more, I don't know. L. Schaefer wants to know, do you feel like Ren, Baker, and Amanda Maisie, I'm assuming, are dragging us along with this whole mayo bath promise? Mike, have they set up a media gaggle, if you will, to witness this mayo bath that was promised for the, I believe that, what was that, the Country Roads Trust push, right? If they got to a certain number of um, followers or I guess um, um, subscribers, uh, yeah, patrons, whatever you want to call it, yeah, by a certain time, and they definitely got there. And I'm I'm assuming that dousing one or both of them in mayo was a motivation for some people to do it. Um, I hope not, <laughs> right? Uh, much more like likely to help the students, I would guess. But I'm sure there's somebody's like, you know, I don't like that Ren Baker. I'm paying seven dollars for a hot dog, uh, time to dunk him in mayo. I would think that there's going to be something very public about it, but like you've got to have cameras around like you just have to you can't be like hey we did this by the way uh here's a picture now nah, there's got to be some type of staging whatever and i wonder if it's not like as simple as a spring game um because i'm assuming that amanda would be calling the spring game right that's a tier three thing they have the rights to do that because it's their own property so that'll be streamed i would think and then like she, she's a sideline reporter for it so and she also does like the pregame studio show so maybe there so like she'll be around that day and obviously rem baker will too um, he typically, the, the AD typically drops in for like an interview during the spring game, you know, it's in the middle of second quarter, the game's kind of blah, all right, let's bring the AD in and talk about whatever ground they're breaking or walls they're raising or something like that. Maybe, um, Hey, halftime, by the way, I'm going to go dunk myself a Mayo. Come on and watch in the parking lot, stuff like that. Like there's gotta be a way to show it maybe live. So my, my point being maybe spring game. I haven't heard anything about that. People are way more, uh, like, obsessed with this and i am uh i can't tell you chris the number of conversations i've had about like and like with people close to me too it surprises me about like i'm like that wasn't really mayo they poured on neil round right and like oh it was i'm like it was awfully viscous right certainly they thinned it with like vinegar no no it was real mayonnaise i'm like well what does it matter i'm just saying like that looked like well no it's real mayonnaise i'm like i don't really care about that like are you saying they're liars it's not real mayonnaise i'm like no, what so then i had to read like all these articles that have been written about the mayonnaise we're out of control on this so Let's get it done soon. Just some mayonnaise out of my life for at least a couple of years. And I like mayo. It's watered down mayo, right? I mean, that's it's very viscous. Yeah. Like, and people are like, no, what they do is they whip it really good for like five minutes with a big spoon. So it becomes liquid. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Like, that's not how mayonnaise works, but apparently it is. So again, I need to see that live too. I don't want to, I don't want to read that. I want to see pictures. Have somebody mixing the mayo with a huge wooden spoon that turns out from mayonnaise into a viscous mayonnaise. And then I'll be like, okay, it wasn't vinegar. And then we can all have this figured out. Put your mayo tinfoil hat on, Mike. No, I don't believe anybody. Don't believe anything they, they try to tell you. Right? Big condiment is trying to trick us. A <laughs> um, couple questions here about the Big Ten SEC Alliance. Um, you know, possible uh, Air Force wants to know possible positive outcomes and NIL transfer rules, et cetera. Butler Ear wants to know, um, you know, with 100 plus football, 300 plus basketball, do they form an alliance and take the NCAA dance to a place that excludes those two conferences? You know, they go football. I'm taking it. He means like big SEC go football and everybody else goes basketball. What, what does this have an effect on bowls? 
So let's kind of combine all this because there are a lot of questions in in one. What is, I mean, I know we've talked about what's the future here, but how big of an impact is this alliance? We've seen an alliance before and that meant nothing. This is different though, right? More threatening because those two already have all the power as opposed to trying to get it. So like when the when the FBS split into power five and group of five, autonomous five or group of five, you kind of realize that, all right, there's there's half of this this football establishment very serious about this and half doesn't have to be as serious. And now they're going to like put stakes in there, too. So you had the power five and the group of five. When I have they, they just decimated the Pac-12, so it doesn't exist anymore. And now you got like these two as opposed to four, never mind five. So you realize that half of the half is more serious about it. And the other half, that's like, it's going in a certain direction. So they didn't do this just to be like the guardrails. They did this to be the road. They want to actually be the the um, the the way and, and the how, the what, the when. That's going to be their dictation if they get what they want. And they can say, like, we're just trying to do it to provide direction and how about this keep up with us. And, of course, the ACC and Big 12 commissioners are going to say, we don't find this threatening. We don't think this is like an exclusive thing. We want to be part of it too. Let's be part of the conversation. Of course, they're going to say that. What else are they going to say? So I don't buy that. Where's it going to go? I don't know. Like they, that whole thing about the five plus seven, the playoff. That's that's obvious, I think. But like they were already gunning for that too a little bit. So that's you know giving me five automatic bids and seven at large bids instead of six and six. That was a Big Ten SEC want before because there's five conferences. Now there's only four. So you can kind of tell they're getting their way a little bit on this stuff too, but. I don't know where it goes ultimately because, like, they can't they can't break away on their own because the NCAA runs basketball, the conferences run football. So, like, if they're like, "Oh, we're just going to break off and do our own thing," it's going to be very hard for those two conferences to have a lucrative basketball tournament free from that. So, I don't think you're going to see a breakaway there. Could they break away for football? Absolutely. That's going to how that's to me how it's going to end up somehow. But like, this is a pretty important. I don't know, Chris. What do you think is like too big of a window? Like, I think like twelve to eighteen months. That's like a really important time, which seems like a long time, but nothing happens fast. So that, that isn't even that long of a time when I think about it. But they, they didn't do this just to have another alliance people are going to point at and laugh at. They did it for something. I don't know what that is. Um, is it more seats at the table? Is it a bigger playoff? I don't know. But it's going to be something that the ACC and Big 12 have to keep up with. And it, it'll be it'll be within a year, I think, we'd see it. And I just don't know what that is. Could it be a split? where they have their own playoff, just those two conferences, and they invite at-larges maybe from abroad. I don't know. It just There's something out there. I'm not quite sure it is. I know all the theories. I agree with a lot of them. I think some of them are kind of crazy. I don't have a unique one to give you, but I just I just think that they're doing this for a purpose. They didn't just come out of the cave and say, hey, we should do this. They did it because they have a plan. They're going to hit the ground running, and time will tell on that. I don't know. Do you, have a, do you have a sharper conclusion than that? I just I feel like something's come. I don't know what it is. Uh, not really, not not sharper, because I'm with you. I, I think this alliance is different because it has teeth to it. It has the, uh, we're going to wave our power over the ACC and the Big 12 and everyone else. We are the two most powerful entities in college football, and we will yield that power to get what we want. And you're exactly right. I think that's what they're doing and why they form this uh, quote-unquote alliance. That's the only reason. Um, and as far as, uh, the the splitting and all that stuff. Yeah, same same boat. Um, football is going to split, I think, separately. Technically, it already is separate. You know, for all those uh, listening, like the the NCAA is not involved in the bowls. They are not involved in the playoffs. 
Like that's, that's a completely separate entity. Um, that is why they call, you know, the championships for the NCAA is the FCS with the playoffs and everything that's hosted by the NCAA, all these football bowl subdivision schools completely separate from the NCAA as far as the postseason goes. So it just seems like that step's already kind of sort of been taken and it's just, let's just rip the bandaid off and just fully separate the football portion of these FBS schools away from the NCAA and move on with it. Yeah, I think the part that's probably the most interesting or concerning, and it was asking the question, is like, what does this do for like NIL or transfer? And they can be power brokers in this. They can, but they already have whatever they want in NIL because there's no rules. So like, I'm not sure what they're angling for there. And the rest of they think it's going to be codified. It's going to be their way to do it, which, again, they can they can invoke that leverage because they're that big and that important too. transferring. I don't know. I don't know what they could do about that. It looks like it's going to go away or be very, very thin, hardly recognizable from what it was, but. Could they lobby and leverage? Sure, they have that much power. Do you think, true or false, the next iteration of college football, there will actually be more rules or more clear rules about transfers in NIL, like a, a salary cap, or you can transfer twice no matter what, but never again, or whatever whatever limitations you want to put on it, because obviously the NCAA is not clear, but do you think whatever the next iteration of whoever's in charge is going to say, hey, this is what it is, Period. End of story. It's the NFL offseason, but on pick six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and RJ White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, pick six has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Yeah, the thing I get is that they don't want it to be as uh, subjective open to interpretation or legal challenges or we're like, hey, I understand that this is the ruling that came down here and mine looks a lot like it, but there's just one little thing that's different because that one little thing, it opens a door and the next door and the next door, you go down a hallway of changes, you don't want that. So I think they're going to take the interpretation out of it, the subjectivity about out of it and make it make it pretty simple. Like if then stuff, if you do this, then you can no longer do that. Um, that's a goal. I think they're actually going to work toward that. I would not be surprised if that's what comes out of it. Um, moving on to the next question. This is, Somewhat related to all of this, but goes way back, too too far back for me, probably too far back for you. We're probably both kids at this point. But WVU Marine One asks, 
or says, hey, guys, I could have swore back in 1991 when the SEC took South Carolina that it was between them and WVU. Is this true? Do you remember something of this? Too early for me, Chris. I don't know. Like, yeah. and I've, I've heard that before, and I remember when I was writing my book, there was something about the ACC's pattern of exclusion. I can remember reading something about how the SEC had even passed um, and at this point, it would have been like 20 something years ago, 25 years ago, which so the timeline adds up to be about right. I never really looked into it. And like just reading this question last night and getting into it today, I didn't get a chance to really ask anybody or get an answer. So I don't know. But like that's a really good homework assignment for people here. They know more about this. I think it's a pretty cool story. The ACC's no thank you has been well known for for generations at this point. You're talking back into the 50s, right? I don't really know as much about the SEC. I know that like. To me, it's harder to believe just because of how like the um, the conference is split in the Southwest. And I don't know that West Virginia was in that mix at all. And, and or like they weren't in the groups of conferences that split and then created something different. And I don't know that they would have been a big enough name at the time. Um, this is pre-Big East as an independent. So um, I'm, I'm curious about that. It's something I'll be looking into and asking about. But I don't have a great answer to that one. I did not have enough time, but I'm, it's not something I'm going to drop for sure. I think it's a pretty interesting one. Do you know more about this? Do not. I was... Seven, six at the oh, time. And Lex. no, <laughs> don't know much about that. Um, next question. Chestnuts asks, you have to choose one joint practices in the summer or one preseason game. Hmm. In the summer? The preseason game? I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. He said he does say in the summer for the preseason. I think I think I would – so if I'm a coach or if I'm a reporter, if I'm a reporter, I would probably say, like, yeah, game would be awesome. I think if I'm a coach, I'd rather do practices because you can yeah. structure and script so many different things. It's much more beneficial. Um, what you do is you have your own practice script for one day, and you do what you want, and the other team dances with you. And then if you have a second day or a second part of the day, you flip it, and the other team does what they want, and you go along too. So it's beneficial for both of you. You get to do what you want against another opponent, but you also have to adapt to what another opponent is doing for their own their own benefit. A game, we know this. We, we've seen a spring game. How is a game in April going to be much different than a game in June or July? It's not. Be very cautious. You're not going to have players playing very hard, very long. Um, it, it's revenue. I don't think. I don't think that'd be much for you. So I would probably, as a coach, be much more into that. And if I'm honest, as a reporter, I don't want to cover a summer game. The spring game is barely coverable as it is. So I would probably be more interested in going out and, and watching the spectacle and just reporting on what you're seeing and what you're getting and what it actually matters to have joint practices, I think, instead. So put me down practices on both. I'm with you. With coaches, it's undoubtedly the joint practices because they could just have a scrimmage during the joint practices, too. A lot of live football against other opponents. So undoubtedly, uh, joint practice coaches a little closer with uh, fans and reporter view. Um, but still probably joint practices. So uh, the big dude asks, which new Big 12 school would you be most excited to see a football game at? Least excited. Most and least. What do you got? Most? Um, I love Colorado. So Boulder would be awesome for me, but I've already been there to cover a game. It was terrific. Um, I've not been to Utah at all. I've been to the Arizona schools. Um so like BYU and Utah would be probably places I haven't been or haven't been to as a game or a, like a, a tourist. So it's a small list, but that would probably be one uh, new one. Um, I mean, Arizona and Arizona state are, are kind of like they're, they're similar in that if you go at the wrong time of year, it's going to be miserable. Um, 
but like, boy, that's a lot better there than it probably is here in like October. So that's hard for me to say no to. Um, Utah is just a long way away. <laughs> that's not like my favorite thing to do is fly and travel out there anymore too. I don't think I wouldn't be excited about one. Like there are times where I'm just like, boy, I don't miss traveling, especially like eight o'clock kickoffs and all that stuff where teams are in a hurry to get out of town and you don't have much ability to cover a game. Um, also airports and people getting on planes before their zone is announced, but that's a whole nother conversation. But sometimes I do miss traveling and like getting out West and seeing some new stuff would be cool. Like I've never covered a game um, at either one of the Arizona schools or Utah before. So that'd be cool for me. I don't think I'd be bummed out about having that assignment for any one of them. So at that point where like the job doesn't depress me, Chris, so I want to keep my, keep my verb going here and not answer the negative here. I'd be excited about all of them above all else, probably Utah because I've not been there for, any type of visit before and looks like it's a pretty good program with a pretty good thing going. I'm imagining West Virginia traveling up there. It'd be a high stakes game too, which that would be fun. I think. Yeah. I'm with you on the same reasons for all the same places. We'd like to see somewhere new, cool places, a lot of fun stuff out there. Um, nowhere. I really don't want to visit. I was going to say Cincinnati, but I guess they were new last year. Sorry. Bearcats. There are big 12 cities. I'm not excited about traveling. Like it's hard <laughs> to get to Manhattan. Um, yeah. That's not my favorite trip. And like the time of year that you go there using basketball season, you, you cross your fingers in the airport, they're going to let you off the ground. So stuff like that. Uh, there are some big 12 schools I don't know jazz about going to. Some of the new ones, though, mark me down. I'm in. All right, Mike. It's time to move to basketball. And I'll preface it with this question, which was a little bit of a joke question, but it's going to preview what's to come. Unknown Cynic asks, would you prefer to get questions that did not require a crystal ball or Ouija board to answer? Ouija that's board, what, especially. That's scary. You never know. What yeah, you're that kind of freaks me out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I had answers to a lot of these questions because a, a couple of reasons. One, it wouldn't be as aggravating. Two, it means it'd be done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, if we don't with this, that's great. Let's uh, let's hit some of the smaller ones before we get to the – because we're going to lump a few of them together into the just coaching thing. But Patio Toad 2021 asks – does this year help or hurt Josh Eilert's coaching career, setting aside the money he banked? Mike, what do you think it like his next spot, for instance? What what do you think this does for him? Boy, it's it doesn't it doesn't help him because like it just it pains me to say this because it hasn't been a good representation of him as a coach. And that's not all his fault, but people aren't going to allow that nuance. And I can remember writing this or thinking this or saying this, or perhaps all three in the preseason that this could be a great thing for him because whether it's Rem Baker or somebody else, there's no way this is going to end where you don't know what you have to know about Josh Eilert. I don't know that that's true anymore though. Cause I don't, I just don't know that he ever got to do his thing. And I don't think he was able to coach this team the way he wants to for various reasons. I mean, availability is one, but like the portal stuff is hard. Like what, what, the, what is a better combination where you can't play these two guys together, but they're portal guys. So you kind of have to. Um, where you really can't be as hard on guys in practice because they're like seniors and, and hey, this season's gone. Why am I going to try really hard? Why are we going to do this extra practice drill? I don't know. I just wonder about that stuff being there. And so part of me just thinks like it never really got off the ground or down the runway or took off or whatever. So I probably have to go back on myself there and say that wasn't entirely accurate because there is a lot at the end of this that you probably don't know about Josh Eilert and how he can do this. So I think if – it's going to take a lobby for him probably to help. Like you're going to have to have good references for him to get a, a head coaching job because who is going to be excited, Chris? This is, this is obviously not fair, but this is also reality. You, you got to win the press conference or the press release. Like if you, if you have fired a coach or if a coach is retired, um, you lost a popular coach perhaps, or you've lost a coach who you've got to upgrade on 
and a guy who is 10 and 22, that's not going to do it. So a head coach thing might be out for him. Now, the other thing is like, he is a firefighter now. Like, there's not a whole lot that he has encountered this year that he hasn't had to extinguish or otherwise deal with. Like, he's gotten the kitten out of the tree how many times? A couple times, but it hasn't been entirely flawless either. So, even the things that you could say, man, that guy would be great on my bench, right? Um, Woody, it's hard to be as like universally supportive of that. So, I think just as a as a real answer here, yeah, it's going to be hard to say this has been helpful for him in one or two years when the recency bias is gone and he has been a second assistant, a first assistant at a program for a while and a job opens up, I think he can go in and say, man, I had a really wild 23, 24 season. Let me tell you about everything that that prepared me for in this job. And by the way, I got back to earth the last season, the last two seasons, this team made the tournament. I was in charge of the centers or the guards. Look at the progress here. Then all of a sudden you scratch your chin. You said, you know what? This guy makes a lot of sense. So, Ask me again in a couple of years if he's still doing this. He wants to do this, right? I think that, that there's a certain situation that works out for him. Is he going to be a head coach in April somewhere? I just have a hard time thinking that's the case. But also, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, too, because what's the caliber of job that he would get to take, want to take in April? Probably not the best. So, And that's kind of why I said this yesterday and something I wrote. I would, man, if I had if I had my druthers and I'm the new coach, I would really think long and hard about keeping eye alert. And if I was the administration, I'd think long and hard about encouraging the new coach to keep Eilert because he's done a lot for you this year. He didn't ask for this. He has a career and aspirations. And, like, having to be an assistant coach in the MEAC next year because there's no spot for him here on a five-assistant coach bench and having him be an assistant coach in the MEAC just because he has to have a job, that doesn't seem right or fair to me right now. But I'm also not in charge. I don't know how that's going to work out. But I just think this is not going to be the catapult for him that it could be because so much of it beyond his control. Next question. I'm going to shorten this a little bit. We each get one word to answer it because the last time this discussion came up, several, several longtime members of the message board threw away years of good posting and became (laughs) problems. So let's keep it short. Should Chris Beard be considered in the upcoming coaching search for WVU? Yes. No. Okay. Hey, we've we've answered this before, but let's give our latest little update. JAL one two three four asks, how many players on the basketball roster will be on next year's team? I think, that go, huh? <laughs> I, I think you listed this on the message board already. Do you have it in front of you? What? How many? How many are eligible? Because it's a nine, right? That's eligible. It's nine. Return. Yeah. There's only thirty. There's only twelve scholarships. Only three guys are absolutely out of eligibility, um, and nine could be back. Um, and we predicted three. We our over under was three and a half, right? But yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Um, moving on, WVU Mountie two thousand one. He wants to know if Ren was playing three D chess with the interim coaching search because nobody wanted to be the guy to replace Hugs. But doesn't the season we've had change that calculus? Now you're not the guy that follows Hugs. You're the guy that came in and fixed what the interim guy broke with a much more understanding fan base. Was this Ren's plan all along? Is he a secret mastermind? Boy, I'd like to say that. It's a good theory, right? Tinfoil hat, where'd it go? I just think it was 
Yeah, let's say yes. I mean, it was declarative. Everybody jokes about the font, but like that's not an accident. Nobody looked at that and said, no one's going to make a big deal out of that. They wanted us to make a big deal out of that. And they wanted to be very clear the job was open too. And and um, just to let people know probably at the time who were panicking about replacing Bob Huggins with Josh Eilert or just replacing Bob Huggins in June and not having a plan, that big tag of interim, that, that was a, hey, slow down, look at this thing right here. You know, we're going to be... We're going to be fine. We're just going to wait a while, check in next year. So, yeah, there's probably a method of that madness, I'm sure. All right, rapid fire these next couple here. Um, without naming names, how many coaches is Ren currently engaging with and to what level of interest? Smear asks. Engaging with? Zero, probably. Um, uh, interested in? You're, you're t- Again, treat it like a top 25. You're considering 30 or 40. You got to narrow it down to 25 maybe 10 or 12 are good. You get to the final four and you pick one. So it's a big thing right now. And it'll, it'll start whittling down, but obviously he has ideas that are closer to the finish line that that he probably hopes. But to say that he's got this done, I would be surprised probably have heard about it or heard something about that a little bit, but seriously, I would say probably between eight and 12 that, that Mm -hmm. he's he's having conversations with, but like when, when the time goes and he's got to act on something here, he's ready. Okay, I'm going to tweak this question from Salty Dog 8159 because you just said 8 to 12. You know, not not definitively, but 8 to 12 guys, let's say. Is Ben McCollum on that 8 to 12? No. Okay. 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 The next question from Salty Dog 8159, he wants to know um, you know, which are the biggest which is the biggest contributor to this basketball team struggles? Number 1, inexperienced coaching staff and their abilities. Number two, lack of big 12 talent on the roster. Number three, fluctuating roster resulting in a lack of cohesiveness. The last one is really hard for me to get past. Yeah. You could, you could be better coaches if you had more time and your players could be more talented collectively um, to make up for whatever lacks individually. If you had more time together. I'm a hundred percent on three. Like, you know, am I completely sold on this coaching staff being the best possible? Not yet. I, I've given incomplete on every grade I can, cause I don't know how you grade them, but the um, inconsistency with the roster and guys in guys out hurt, suspended, whatever it kind of, it led to a rough start. And then the rough start leads to maybe some poor attitudes or a lack of, you know, effort at times. And then that leads to this and that leads, and it, it just seemed like a snowball effect that I think all began with the roster uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, Timber Pimp wants to know, you know, essentially uh, no matter who comes in as the new coaching staff, are they going to be okay? And will Ren talk with them about old players coming in and using the practice facility whenever they want? That's a great question. Cause that's part of Huggins program. And that's part of the West Virginia program now too. They have a locker room in the practice facility. Um, I would say that will the coach be okay? He better be. That's part of the program now, too. I don't think you can get rid of that. And also, like, I'm not sure he would be opposed to, like, what is this Devin Ebanks guy doing in my practice facility? Is that Kevin Jones? Get him out of here. That would not be a way to win over fans or former players. So you really need to to transition, especially, Chris. Like, you're going to have to have some people from the Huggins era, from before the Huggins era, hold your hand to help you cross the bridge into Morgantown. So closing that off would be a bad idea, I think. Yeah. And it's not like these guys are coming in and like disrupting practice or anything like that. They understand like, hey, if, if practice is going on, those guys get first dibs, you move to another court, you go work out something else and 
hey, you can help out if the coach asks, but I think there be there's some mutual respect from the former players as well, not to be a problem. CE5588 wants to know, what style of basketball do, do you believe would fit West Virginia best in the modern era? Winning. Yeah. There you um, go. So I, I would think, you know, just blue-collar mentality, all that stuff, probably defensive-focused, but also a team that has, like, something that's really harassing and effective defensively, too. Press Virginia was extremely popular and unique. It's hard to do. I understand that. But just think about what that did for them. Game of brand, Press Virginia, right? Um, there's something to that about being a really good defensive school here that I think would would help. Um, I just, And I think that's the way they're going to go. I'm not saying they're going to look for a full-court press team, but you're probably going to look for a coach who favors or is known for defense. Um, and I think that you can win. And, and again, like, minimize some margins that exist um, if you're a really good defensive team. Um, next question comes from Stone10 USN. I think this stems from my comment about you know, Ren Baker should talk to the Iowa State AD since they made that switch yeah. from winless Big 12 to Sweet 16 team the following year. He wants to know, you know, do is there confidence in Ren Baker and what WVU offers facilities, money, name, brand, et cetera, for WVU to make the NCAA tournament next year similar to that Iowa State situation? Excitement, sure. Expectation, I don't know. It just it depends. Like, you want to be in the tournament every year. And I'm sure Baker's going to be like, I want to get back to the tournament or get to the tournament quickly. Um, but it just, there's so much that goes into it. I don't have to tell you that. Like, you got to hire the guy. He's got to get a staff. You have to hit the portal. You got to recruit. We don't know how many players are going to be on the team, like, to demand it or expect it. That's difficult, I think. But, like, it's this is Baker's first real big hire, too. So the sooner the better he gets ROI. And that might be part of it, too. Do I have a guy who can get a tournament ready roster in here, too? I think so. I think the fact that like, hey, let's rebuild this from the ground up and make it like a four or five year build. Those days are gone. And something that differentiates a candidate is how quickly he can get you back on your feet with the portal and, you know, international contacts or, you know, finding freshmen in the rough. Um, that's going to be a uh, a way of the world in the future. So expectation, no excitement. Yeah, they, they're going to want to get into postseason basketball again soon. Do they have the facilities for that? Yes. Do they have the NIL money to for lack of a better term, purchase the correct roster. So far, it seems like it. We'll see if they'll repeat that uh, giving. Uh, and does the school have the money to um, put up enough salary to get a top-tier coach? They've done it in the past. So that answers those three questions of that. It's more about the making the right hire and then that right hire making the right acquisitions for players. Yes. BJH00017. Mike, please don't get mad at me. Top three candidates for the men's basketball job in the eyes of Ren Baker and the athletic department as of February 19th. Oh, my God. I can't believe Mike muted himself for this question. It's lovely. We're almost out of time. I didn't realize that, oh, too. Folks, <laughs> folks, for those watching on the video podcast, he was naming them. He was writing them off one, two, three. He was saying names, and now it's muted, and it might be lost forever. Son of a gun. My bad. Clumsy fingers. Was trying to clean the screen and hit the wrong button. Lost that forever, huh? Dang. That's unfortunate. Technology. You want to handle yeah. the dealer's choice question before we go? What's that? Someone just said, dealer's choice. Give me some information. Do you have any scoop? No, you got a minute. I got nothing. I, I I will say uh official visits are being set for that Memorial Day weekend. Expect that to be one with uh 
maybe not quite as many as last year, those first couple weekends of June. I was informed, you know, that they were very tight on official visits because of all of those trips that they took. They're going to be a little more precise, a little more picky about who they're inviting up for official visits this summer. I love the financial reports for basketball spending, and men have underspent recruiting than women since 2020. Last four years, more money on recruiting for women's basketball than men's basketball. Not a bad thing. Going to have to change. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.